Welcome to another episode of The McCarthy Perspective, TMP, Brandon McCarthy on the mic. Big shout out to Satanic Mills, a local Toronto rock band, Cam Switzer, lead singer. Told him I'd have him as a lead-off song for a podcast, and there you go, buddy boy, Chip and Birdie, over the weekend. I was stoked. I was like, okay, we're like a meat of the way through this round. I think I have the shot of the day. I was playing with four or five other buddies. Thomas Heron. Par three, White Pines, just up the road from Thunder Beach. Hole in one. Let me take you through the commentary. Oh, good bounce. Oh, oh! And it was a remarkable shot. I mean, I guess you got kind of lucky with the bounce off the hill, but one hit on the green and and in. Major, major congrats to Tom Heron. The highlight of your summer, I'm sure. And we're not even in July yet, so good on you. This week, I want to switch onto the basketball court, talk about... The bubble teams, six of them that will have a chance to compete for the eighth and coveted spot in the East and West Conference, respectively. And I want to bring in a good friend and former college sports media grad, Josh Weinstein, the NBA news editor for The Score, to talk about some of those bubble teams and who has the best chance to earn a spot in the playoffs. Joshy boy, how are you? I'm good. How are you, buddy? Looking uh, pretty built these days, man. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I like the hat. Thank you. I was going for that uh, Peaky Blinders look, even though I've only watched like 20 minutes of oh, the first episode. Oh, that. It's so good. So I know the landscape in the East and West is drastically different. Yeah. So let's start with the Western Conference. Five teams making the cut and a chance to clinch a spot in the top eight. Portland. New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix. Let's just eliminate Sacramento and Phoenix, but Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, man, like all three of them have a big chance of uh, clinching the eighth spot in the West. Who do you like out of them? For me, I'm going to go with either the Pelicans or the Trailblazers. Reason being, uh, they're two of the three teams that are just three and a half games back of the Grizzlies right now. And keep in mind, uh, the teams that qualified, of course, for those that were in six games of a playoff spot. Uh, and in order to, cl- uh, to reach that tie-in game, you need to finish within four games of that eight seed right. after this eight-game uh, stretch to end the regular season in Orlando. So for me, I think the Pelicans were a team that had a lot of momentum uh, finishing the season before everything was put on hold. And the Trailblazers, they're a little bit healthier. They have Nurkic coming back, so he should have a few months of uh, some reps under his belt, hopefully, if he was able to get into a gym. And then you have Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. I just can't bet against that star power. And then, of course, Zion on the Pelican side of things. Uh, so in the Western Conference, those are my two two teams that uh, I'm watching the most for sure. You never want to count out the Spurs, led by Pop. Obviously, DeRozan, a huge threat. But now they lost Aldridge. That yep. kind of that, buries Done them. for the season, yep, uh, after that uh, surgery on his shoulder, I believe. So the Spurs obviously have been the model of consistency over the past couple decades. I believe they have a 22 season streak of postseason appearances. And I, unfortunately, given the short amount of time that they have to make that jump and to leap over all these other teams, I think that streak is finally going to come to an end. And uh, especially in Popovich's like late in Popovich's career, you don't like to see that, but at the same time, uh, 
what a great run it really was for him it, and the Spurs. It was, man. I know you said, like, never count out Portland, and, like, Dame Lillard is a menace in the playoffs. Like, look no further than the last year when he hit that walk-off three against OKC in five. But yep. imagine there's a play-in tournament between, like, Memphis and New Orleans, Morant versus Zion. Like, that, that's very possible because right now the Pels and Blazers are just three games back, three and a half games back. Three and a half games Memphis. back, yep. That's going to be tight, yeah. man. And that would be so exciting, too, just to see two of the young rookie sensations that are going to be future stars in this league just going head-to-head this early in their careers. Uh, I'm sure the NBA would love that. And uh, honestly, I would definitely want to see that. Of all the matchups, I definitely would want to see Zion versus Ja just for uh, that battle between those two, number one and number two overall picks from this last year's draft. So, What if even after the remaining eight regular season games, they end up where they are now? Because three and a half, that's under the four. So they would play. Yeah, they well, would. Well, no, mean, because Portland, and, well, they're, but they're tied with Portland, though, New Orleans, right? So, so from my understanding, they're determining uh, which team would uh, qualify, for, qualify for that playing tournament. Let's say the Pelicans, Trailblazers, and Kings all were within four games. They'll determine it based on regular season tiebreakers. So gotcha. division record, uh, record against each other. Uh, those sorts of uh, qualifiers are, are going to be the thing that determines which team ends up facing. Presumably Memphis. I mean, there's still time for Memphis to lose – uh, that eight seed, unlikely, it, yeah. of course, but um, it's funny because all the attention before the season was put on hold was about how difficult Memphis's schedule was. I believe they had the hardest ranked schedule the rest of the way, and then you had the Pelicans who had the easiest schedule. So under normal circumstances, the odds were completely in New Orleans' favor, and I think uh, just having this eight-game stretch now is actually more ad- advantageous for the Grizzlies, I'd say, just in terms of being able to keep that gap and uh, definitely less challenging competition ahead I would think and over in the east Josh it's just Washington that made the Mm -hmm. cut they're five and a half games back of the magic magic like they're they're a first round team they don't usually make a deep run Washington is a team I was thinking earlier like if if Beal gets hot obviously he's a he's a one-man show out there with that wall but do you think the Wiz have a chance to sneak in there and and be a threat yeah, well, they have a little bit of ground to make up. They're five and a half games back of the Magic uh, and six games back of the seventh-seeded Nets right now. Uh, and, of course, they do need to get within that four games to qualify for that plane. And with a guy like Bradley Beal, like you said, he has so much offensive firepower that he really can win you a game by himself on any given night. The one thing I'm wondering, though, is just the amount of rust some of these players will have, uh, whether he could be at that level just right out of the gates, which the Wizards are going to need him to be at. Uh, but if he's able to just be in a solid rhythm uh, from the get-go of this eight-game stretch to close out the regular season, then they're definitely a threat. Unlikely, though. There is a gap but uh, that they have to make up, but I do think it's unlikely unless Beal goes supernova. Well, wasn't there a, a stint this year where he had like 40-plus Yeah, he had back-to-back 50-point games. 50-point games. So he'll just say, you know what, I'll do it myself, whatever. But the funny thing is, I think they lost both of those games. They might have won one. I think they lost both. For sure, the first one. Uh, And then one of them went into overtime. That just goes to show, you do need more than one guy. Obviously, him going off does help. But uh, they don't have many depth pieces to really help him. But we'll see. It'll be tougher, definitely, for the Wizards to qualify than one of those West teams for that playing tournament. Next week, there will be a transaction window, so teams can sign and waive players. Do you see much movement next week or any players in particular that could provide a boost to a team heading to Orlando? 
Well, DeMarcus Cousins is an interesting name because, uh, of course, he's still – the plan was for him to continue rehabilitating uh, from his injury, and he could be a big body for a team that needs interior presence, and he's a proven scorer. It's just – it remains to be seen how healthy he really is and if the team is willing to roll the dice and try to throw him into these high-leverage situations. Uh, another guy that comes to mind, I know he hasn't been in the league for a while, is uh, Jamal Crawford. He just is a guy who can score and put up points in bunches. And I think a lot of these teams, especially given the amount of rust uh, that's to be expected offensively, having a guy that can just come off the bench and just uh, give you a quick 10 points, like Jamal Crawford's proven he's able to do over the course of his career, uh, I think that could be a guy who who potentially gets some interest. Uh, Like you said, there's going to be movement, no doubt about it. Playoff rosters have expanded. The league is allowing more more players to get signed and come to Orlando. Uh, so those two names really come to mind. Another guy, J.R. Smith. Uh, we've seen him hanging around LeBron in Los Angeles going on some bike rides during this hiatus. Uh, LeBron's thinking about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll I mean, start with a light is... bike ride to uh, ease into it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a little bit of uh, recruiting on his part, just, just under the radar sort of thing. But no, J.R. Smith, look, the Lakers have a lot of firepower, so – they did inquire about him, I believe, earlier in the year. Uh, there were rumblings about that and rumors, but uh, of all teams, I, I don't think the Lakers necessarily need him. Uh, but you never know. We'll see. We'll see. Those there, are the there's three a names, bunch though. of players available. Lance Stevenson, yeah. IT. Yep. Isaiah I was like, Thomas. holy smokes. Yeah, well, he was briefly on the Clippers uh, after he got dealt, and then I believe they waived him pretty quickly. Uh, so he hasn't been active much lately. But, um, yeah. Like you said, uh, some of those guys, Lance Stevenson, of course, was trying to get back from China uh, and to get back in the league and was just waiting for an opportunity. I remember uh, there were rumblings that him and the Pacers were nearing an agreement together and they could potentially use that offensive firepower. Well, in a couple weeks, man, it's going to look very, very different. Teams will start to report to Orlando and hopefully we'll have a season underway that fans can enjoy at ESPN wide world of sports. Yeah. It's going to just be good to have basketball back. And I know we're all excited and ideally uh, it'll be a good product on the court, but regardless if there's some rust, I'm still excited to just watch some games. Good so, man. Hopefully. Well, I look forward to seeing you downtown in the next couple weeks, ideally. Definitely. Definitely. When things okay, open buddy. up a little bit. Thanks for so much for having me, man. Take Thanks for care. coming on. Have a good week. Yep. You too.